What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Wednesday edition of the Electric Factory Podcast. Um, obviously, we were gone over the weekend. I was on vacation, so we did not get an episode out on Saturday, unfortunately. So it is great to be back. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff going on in sports right now. LeBron last night just broke the all-time scoring record. You can go back to episode 6 to hear my thoughts on that, as well as the LeBron versus Jordan debate. Um, We have the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, and we will be coming out with an episode on Saturday doing a full breakdown of the Super Bowl, my picks, predictions, all that good stuff, uh, what it means for both teams. So look out for that on Saturday. And For today's episode, in honor of pitchers and catchers officially reporting to spring training less than a week, as well as today we are 50 days away from opening day, I thought it would be fun to do a full MLB free agency recap, go over all of the the big signings, and really give my thoughts on uh, how each team did in free agency. Uh, In this episode, I don't plan on talking about all the teams because some teams didn't really do much in free agency, but... We'll definitely go over the big signings, and then for talking about all teams, we will have an episode closer to opening day, giving my full predictions for the MLB season. Um, so let's dive right into it, starting off with the Baltimore Orioles. Um, the Orioles are a team that surprised a lot of people last year. They have a great young core, headlined by, obviously, Adley Rutschman, former number one overall pick, number one overall prospect, and he came up and had a great rookie season, and I think he's going to be a star for years to come. Uh, As far as free agency signings go for Baltimore, they picked up Kyle Gibson from Philadelphia, which I think is a good signing. You can never have too many arms in baseball, especially for a young Baltimore Orioles staff. I think it's going to be nice for them to have sort of a veteran presence. Obviously, Kyle Gibson's nothing special, but you can never have too many pitchers for a team that's trying to compete. And I think this is a team that definitely can compete for the wild card this year. So Kyle Gibson is a good signing for them. Uh, And they also brought in Adam Frazier to play second base for them. I think that's another good signing because Adam Frazier is a guy that has shown plenty of flashes. He was an all-star only two years ago for Pittsburgh, got traded to San Diego, and it didn't really pan out for him in that second half of the season. But this is a guy that puts the ball in play, and I'm big on I'm a big proponent of that. Putting the ball in play, I think, is a very big deal. I think it's a, it's a bigger deal than most people make it out to be in today's MLB, and this is a guy with a good hit tool. Um, rough year last year. He only hit 238 out in Seattle. Um, but I think that's a good signing for for Baltimore. You got to get him on a little bit of a bargain off of a down year for a guy that was a former All-Star, and I think he's definitely going to be able to contribute in that lineup with um, a lot of protection because they, they got a solid lineup out there in Baltimore. Um, moving on, the Boston Red Sox. What an eventful offseason it was for the Red Sox. Uh I don't really know what direction this team is trying to go in because, as we all know, they lost Xander Bogarts. More to come on that later on in the episode. But the Red Sox had had quite the offseason. They signed Mastaka Yoshida, uh, pardon if I butchered that pronunciation, from Japan. He's a, a highly touted prospect, a little bit older, as most of the guys who come out of Japan are. But... I think that's a good signing for Baltimore. They've had success with Japanese players in the past, most notably uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka, and I think Hideo Nomo also spent some time 
on the Red Sox. So they definitely have a tie to those Japanese players, and I think that's a good signing for them. They definitely need more bats, considering they just lost Bogarts. Um, they lost Mookie Betts a couple years ago, so this is a team that's really starving for offense. So good signing on Yoshida. I think he'll fit in nicely in the outfield with um, Verdugo, who is is due for a big year eventually. He's got all the tools in the world. He just needs a little bit more protection in that lineup, so hopefully Yoshida can provide that. Um, they also brought in Kenley Jansen, another good signing, I think, by the Red Sox. Jansen is one of the best relief pitchers of our generation, and the way that he's trending and the way that Hall of Fame voters are trending, he's, he's going to make a real push for Cooperstown. So hats off to him for that, and I think that's a good signing for the Red Sox. He was very effective last year in Atlanta, and he's been effective everywhere he goes. He's got that nasty cutter. And he's gonna be he's gonna be good in the back end of the bullpen for for Boston. Uh, they brought in Justin Turner from L.A. Turner's a guy that kind of rejuvenated his career out in L.A. He uh, was uh, not a great player in his earlier earlier in his career with the Mets. Um, went to L.A. had a had a great run. He is getting a little bit older, and that's the one thing I think that you should be concerned with with him. I think he can still play the field, but it'll be interesting to see where he fits in considering they also re-signed Rafael Devers this offseason. So I think Turner's kind of trending to be more towards a DH role. But last year he was still very effective, a two seventy eight batting average, 13 home runs, 81 RBIs, and a seven eighty eight OPS. That's an above-average player, and the Red Sox are definitely going to need multiple above-average hitters if they're going to compete in the loaded, loaded AL East. So Turner, um, a good signing. Just look out for him and his age. We'll see how he continues to regress. He is heading into his age 38 season. But I think it'll benefit him being able to play a little bit more DH, um, take him out of the field. Uh, I think his swing definitely plays in, in Fenway. He's a a pole hitter. And Fenway's, while well, the Green Monster is a very high wall, it's not very long. So if he can poke a couple balls out there, I think uh, you might be able to see his power numbers go up just a little bit too. Uh, the uh, the Red Sox also brought in Corey Kluber. Um, like I said with the Orioles, you can never have too many arms. Kluber is a proven guy in this league. He's got a Cy Young to his name. Uh, and he even proved that he still has he's, he's still got a little bit left in the tank. He had a great year with the, well, not necessarily a great year with the Yankees two years ago, but he did throw that no-hitter. 3-8-3 ERA with the Yankees. A little bit higher last year with Tampa Bay in 31 starts, a 4-3-4, but that's definitely serviceable for a guy who's going to be stuck at the back end of your rotation. Um, Hopefully Chris Sale will be back and healthy for the Red Sox, but Kluber is definitely a good pickup for them. Uh, a guy that can can eat innings really. That's and that's what you're looking for when a guy is going to be your your fourth or fifth starter. Uh, and like I said, he's established, so good pickup. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, another signing. They lost Christian Vasquez in free agency. Actually, they traded him last year to the the Astros. So Alfaro looks to slot into that role. Um, Alfaro is an interesting player. He's always been a kind of guy that has should be better than what he is he has all the tools everyone thinks he's going to be a power hitting catcher but he's never really put it all together for a full season last year he hit 246 um but he's definitely a guy that's capable back there he's a great defensive catcher which is kind of similar to the role that Vasquez played for them so I think that's just more of a plug and play guy I don't think that's going to be 
too much of an impact on the Red Sox season overall. And their final notable signing, Adam Duvall, looks to plug up that outfield. Now you have Verdugo, you have Yoshida, and Duvall. And Duvall's a guy that hits, he tears the cover off the ball. He hits a lot of home runs, and he's a sneaky good defender too. If you look at him, you wouldn't think he's the kind of guy that can play defense, but he he plays really good defense. Last year was a little bit of a down year for him. Uh, Only hit 12 home runs in 86 games. He was kind of riddled with injuries, but in 2021, he hit 38 home runs and led the National League with 113 RBIs. So this is a kind of guy that can, can have a good season, I think, in this Red Sox lineup, which is not necessarily star-studded, but I think it's definitely a deep lineup. I think uh, Duvall can definitely have a lot of success. And uh, he's definitely a good guy to play out in that challenging outfield because Fenway is not an easy outfield to play in by any sense of the, any uh, stretch of the imagination, regardless if you were playing uh, left, center, or right. So a guy with a plus glove like Duvall is a, a good pickup for them. Uh, moving on, staying in the AL East, the New York Yankees had probably one of the most notable off-seasons. Uh, they brought back Anthony Rizzo. That was their first first signing. That seemed like more of a formality. I don't think anyone ever thought that Rizzo was, was on his way out. But I think that's a great, great for the Yankees. He, I didn't think that he would be able to fit in anywhere better than he did in Chicago, and it seems like he might fit in even a little bit. He is the perfect Yankee. Last year... Hit 32 home runs, 75 RBIs, and only 130 games. Had he not gotten hurt there, kind of uh, towards the middle of the season, he would have pushed for the the 40 home run mark and possibly hit 40 for the first time in his career. So he's just a great player, great defender, great clubhouse guy. And I think he's a guy the Yankees had to bring back because they didn't really have many other options at first base. And the lefty obviously plays well to the short porch out in New York, so... Good, good re-signed by the Yankees, but I don't think that one was ever in much jeopardy. Uh, and then the notable, the big one was Aaron Judge, nine years, three hundred and sixty million dollar contract to re-sign and become the captain of the New York Yankees. And I think this is a phenomenal signing. I thought the Yankees had to get this done. There, if they didn't get this done, I thought they were they were going to be toast. Aaron Judge brings so much. Obviously, he had probably the best hitting season that I've ever seen in my lifetime last year. Um, Cabrera's triple crown is up there, obviously. Um, Bonds in my lifetime, although I don't really remember it. But Judge probably put together the best single season that I've ever seen. And he brings so much on the field. He's a plus defender, plus plus defender, a gold glove caliber guy. He runs the bases so well. He's just really the perfect player. But more than that, he brings he brings so much. He's the face of baseball, I think, right now. He's the face of baseball merchandise sales. He's the captain. He's a leader. The Yankees had to get this done, and they did. So hats off to Brian Cashman for getting the job done and bringing back Aaron Judge because that's something they needed to do. And obviously, he's a great player. He's gonna he's he he's gonna be great again. He's gonna be great probably for the next nine years of that contract. So good contract for the Yankees. And I, this is, I want to go off on, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, a narrative that I've heard a lot f- around surrounding the Yankees is that they buy championships, they buy rings, that's all they do. Their payroll is always the highest, and that's that's how they're successful. Is they they just they they buy their championships, they buy their wins, and I I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think the Yankees don't get enough credit 
for being one of, if not the best teams in the MLB at drafting and developing talent. The Yankees are a team that is truly built on their homegrown guys from for the last century, really. Look at their run in the early 90s when they won four championships in five years. They had what was known as the core four. They're four players that were really instrumental to their success. Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, and Jorge Posada. All four of those guys were homegrown guys from the Yankees. Drafted, developed, brought up, and had major success. Now go to the Yankees right now. Aaron Judge, homegrown guy. He's the captain. He's the face of the franchise. Going back further, Mickey Mantle, homegrown. Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, Yogi Berra. These are all guys that are the face of the Yankees franchise, and they are homegrown people. And I think that when the Yankees develop these guys and draft and develop and create that winning culture that allows for them to go out and sign these big free agents that like the the Tino Martinez's of the 90s the Paul O'Neill's even the Garrett Coles of today the Yankees have built a, a winning culture around drafting and developing players and the reason that their payroll is so high is not necessarily because they're going out and just buying free agents, buying free agents, buying free agents. They're re-signing their own guys because their own guys are so good that they have to pay their guys. So I think that's a ridiculous statement that the Yankees buy their rings. Obviously, they have a high payroll. Everyone knows that. But I think more of it goes attributed towards them re-signing their own guys than it is them buying their rings and going out into free agency and having a loaded free agency class because... The only player that I can think of that really led the Yankees to a World Series and was like the best player on the Yankees that wasn't a homegrown guy, Reggie Jackson. He obviously was a big-time free agency signing out of Oakland. And that's that's the only person I can think of. Because like I said, all the other guys, Mantle, DiMaggio, Gehrig, Jeter, even Bernie Williams on those 90 teams I didn't mention, another homegrown guy. So I think the, the, the sentiment that the Yankees by their rings is is totally misplaced and all you really have to do is look at the history of their franchise um the final team in the al east is toronto they didn't really have a super eventful offseason although yesterday we did hear they signed a three-year extension with boba good deal up and coming shortstop um i think that's that's good for them they did sign chris bassett who had a great year for the mets last year and I'm going to say it again. You can never have too many arms. Bassett will be a nice guy. Um, hopefully, Jose Barrios can bounce back this year. He will He will contribute to that great rotation they have up in Toronto because they've got Barrios. Manoa had a great year last year. And now Bassett, who had a 3-4-2 ERA and 30 starts last year. That's great. So I think that's a good signing for them. Um, Brandon Belt to play first base, although Vlad, maybe they're trying to take um, – a little bit of the workload off Vlad, get him some DH days. I think that's a good signing. Belt brings the championship pedigree over from New York. He's got three rings of his own. So good little sneaky signing there, left-handed bat. And then Kevin Kiermeyer to play the outfield. They did trade Lourdes Goriel this offseason, so Kiermeyer looks to fill that role. He's a plus-plus defender, one of the best defenders in the game today. Although he doesn't swing much of a stick, he pretty much swings a pool noodle for a bat. So you get what you get. You trade the defense for the offense in that situation. 
Uh, moving on to the AL Central, the White Sox signed Andrew Benintendi to a five-year, $75 million deal. Not sure. I think that's a good signing for the Red Sox, the White Sox. However, I just don't think they did enough. This is a team that severely underachieved last year. They were projected to not only win the Central, but possibly, I saw some people picking them to win the World Series, and they didn't even come close to the playoffs. They were a great disappointment last year, and not only... Were you a disappointment? You lose arguably the best hitter in your lineup, probably the best hitter, Jose Abreu to Houston. So while Ben Intendi's a good signing, they just I don't think that the White Sox did enough at all. They also signed Mike Clevenger from San Diego, which looks to be terrible right now. He's um under investigation for sexual assault, I believe. So who knows if he even plays this year. Uh quiet, quiet, surprising free agency from the White Sox, because they're a team that looks to be in win-now mode, and they just didn't really do that much. Um, yeah, I don't know what the White Sox are really doing out in the south side. Uh, Cleveland Guardians, the team that won the AL Central last year, quiet offseason for them, too. They're really the only notable signing for them, Josh Bell, coming over to play first base, and I think that's a good signing for them because Cleveland is a team that I really like the way they play. Uh, Terry Francona is a great manager, and they're the kind of team that that I was talking about earlier. They put the ball in play. They play baseball the right way. They're not swinging for the fences. They're not striking out a million times in the game. And that's why they almost beat the Yankees last year in the playoffs. The Yankees were striking out 15, 16 times a game. The Guardians were striking out like four. That's how you win playoff games, and that's how you go deep. But I think Bell's going to add a power bat that they definitely need. They were lacking power. And he's not a terribly high strikeout guy either. So I think that's a good balance for Cleveland and definitely adding... To a contact-heavy lineup, Josh Bell, that's a good signing. And I think Cleveland will definitely be competitive in a very weak AL Central again next year. Um, uh, moving on to the next team in the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins. The Twins had a very eventful free agency, although you can't really contribute that entirely to them. They are the team that ended up with Carlos Correa, although he agreed to contracts with both the Giants and the Mets, before ultimately returning to the Twins. Uh, I think good signing for the Twins. Correa, when healthy, is obviously one of the best shortstops in the game. Arguably the best if he is healthy and able to play a full 162. However, I think there definitely are those injury concerns there for them, but the Twins seemed confident enough. Um, six years, $200 million, that's a pretty good deal. The Twins aren't locked into a... 10 to 12 year deal like they would have been otherwise so they kind of got a bargain there with that injury but last year Correa 291 average 22 homers 64 RBIs those are great stats in a vacuum yet he only played 136 games again so we need to see a full 162 out of Correa to make that contract worth it but I think it's a good signing for the twins because they definitely need all the help they can get on that offense because it wasn't great last year uh another guy that they got Joey Gallo taking a flyer on him he was obviously horrendous in new york and he wasn't much better in la but he's a guy that has proven that he can be great he was great in texas all-star caliber player so maybe a little change of scenery back to the smaller market texas was a smaller market then he goes out to new york and la um maybe the smaller market will help him out and um kind of rejuvenate his career because because he's struggling right now uh not much from the tigers or the royals this offseason so we will skip over them for the time being and move on to the AL West and start out with the defending champion Houston Astros. Uh, 
Houston lost Justin Verlander. I think I don't think they were expecting to re-sign him. I think that everyone knew Verlander was kind of on his way out. And Houston doesn't necessarily need him because they have a phenomenal pitching rotation, arguably one of the best in baseball with McCullers, Javier, Valdez. It's a great staff. And while Verlander obviously losing the Cy Young Award winner sucks, I don't think they're going to be hurting too much from that. Uh, and then they got they went out and got Jose Abreu, and that's definitely a big-time upgrade from Yuli Gurriel. Gurriel, aging star, didn't really have much in the tank anymore. They go out and get Abreu, who just seems to churn out productive season. That's all he's done since coming over from Cuba. He just has solid 30 homer, 100 RBI seasons in and out. Um, last year was a little bit of a down year in the power department for him. He only hit 15 home runs, but he still hit 304. And in a, a hitter-friendly ballpark like Houston, look for those power numbers to go up, especially with the protection that he is going to be having. He won the MVP in 2020. Great signing for Houston. Jose Abreu upgrading that first base department. Uh, another small note is that they re-signed Michael Brantley. We all know what Michael Brantley is. He's a productive contact hitter. I really like Michael Brantley. And he fits right in with that Houston lineup. He's comfortable there. So I don't think that Brantley wanted to leave the Astros. And I don't think the Astros wanted to lose Brantley. So good, good re-sign. Uh, the Texas Rangers had a pretty notable offseason themselves signing Jacob DeGrom. I personally am not a big fan of this signing. Five years, $185 million. That is a ton of money to tie down to a pitcher who has not thrown for more than 100 innings since I was a freshman in high school. I'm a freshman in college now. I think that if you're a pitcher, you're going to tie that much money down to a pitcher. You have got to be on the field. And DeGrom just hasn't been. That's the bottom line. 11 starts last year, 15 the year before that, and 12 the year before that. We all know he's a great pitcher. He's got the capability to be probably the best in the game of baseball. He won the Cy Young in 2018 with that 170 ERA historic year. But I just I don't like tying that much money down to a guy that can't stay on the field. I don't know. He's already going to be 35 next year, so you're going to keep him till he's 40 years old. He's only getting older. And he's proven that he's got injury problems. So I think that I don't like this signing at all by Texas. They've tied down a lot of money to guys in the past like Simeon and Seeger. And now I think that money could have gone and probably been spent better elsewhere, getting maybe one or two lesser pitchers than DeGrom, but guys that are proven that can stay on the field, and maybe the sum of those two guys will equal a Jacob DeGrom. But he's obviously talented if the Rangers can catch lightning in a bottle with him. He's going to be productive, but I just think five for 185 is a lot for a guy that that hasn't hasn't pitched in 100 innings since 2019. And also, I don't like DeGrom in the big games. This might be a cold take, but I don't like DeGrom. I would not want DeGrom would not be at the top of the list of guys that I would want throwing in a big game. I think he's completely overrated in in pressure situations. Look at him last year. In the NLDS, pitching against San Diego, his one start, I believe, six innings, three runs. That's not terrible, but that's not the kind of performance you would expect from this bona fide ace that everyone calls the Grom. I just don't think he's a big game pitcher. So Texas, iffy signing on Degrom. 
They also went out and got Nathan Ivaldi from Boston. I think that's a decent signing. He's also been a guy that's had injury history, so I guess Texas uh, really likes these these injured guys. Maybe they think they're getting a little bit of a bargain on them, but uh, if he's healthy, he's proven that he can also be effective. So Ivaldi, you never know what you're going to get from him. But Texas, if everything goes right for Texas, they'll have a good rotation. But I just don't see that happening. I think it might be another underwhelming year down in Arlington. Uh, other teams in the West, Oakland, not much to say over there. The Mariners had a eventful offseason. They signed A.J. Pollock from the White Sox. He's been a very productive player in his entire career. He's nothing to write home about, but he will be... A nice little piece for them to platoon out there in the outfield. Um, And then they made that big trade with with, uh, Toronto. They acquired Teoscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays. And I think that's great for them. He's going to slide right out there in left field. He's a power bat to slide in with Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Julio obviously had a historic rookie year last year, won that rookie there. But to ask her, he's nothing to sneeze at. 25 home runs last year, 77 ribbies, and an 807 OPS. That's a very productive player. And I feel like Seattle didn't really have to give up that much to get to ask her. So I think that's a good trade for Seattle. I think that he's definitely a guy that will um, fortify a Seattle team that's looking to win now. They made the playoffs last year. They snapped their playoff losing streak. They've got Julio locked up. So this is a team that's in win-now mode. I think that's a good good thing to do to go out and get Tasker. Um, I think that's... Oh, the Angels. Uh, moving on to the next team in the AL West, the Los Angeles Angels. For God's sakes, Angels, can we, can we do something in free agency for one time? You brought in Tyler Anderson. Good. That's a start. You've needed pitching. From the moment that Mike Trout entered the major leagues, you needed more pitching. Tyler Anderson had a great year for the Dodgers last year. Good job, good signing on getting Tyler Anderson. But then you don't do anything else? Nothing? Nothing else? Can we get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani some help? It's really embarrassing, if you're an Angels fan, that you have what I think are two of the top three players in baseball, maybe the top two players in baseball, and you're going 73-89. and 89. You're 33 games out of first place in your own division. How does that happen? You got to get these guys some help. I don't know what they're doing out there in LA. The owners just got to sell the team. They got to fire the GM. They got to really, they got to clean house because it is embarrassing to have Mike Trout and Shohei Tani on the same roster and year in and year out not even come close to competing for the playoffs. So another bad offseason by the Angels. They just didn't do near enough. They've got to, they got to clean house over there because obviously it's not working with these two guys. Um, Moving on into the National League. Um, the team that made the most noise probably in the entire offseason out of the NL East, the New York Mets. What an offseason it was for the Mets. They re-signed Edwin Diaz, which obviously Diaz wanted to stay in New York. He's kind of made his name out there in New York. He's arguably the best closer in baseball, so good signing there. Resigned Brandon Nimmo, another guy that came up with the Mets. He's made his name in New York. They know what he's capable of. Resign. Good job. 
And then the big news of the offseason was bringing in the 2021 American League Cy Young Award winner, Justin Verlander. Verlander is obviously one of the best pitchers of our generation. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So hats off to the Mets for going out and getting this guy because there's not many teams, I think, that Verlander would play for. I think he wants to be in a big market. I think he looked at the Yankees. He looked at the Dodgers. Ultimately settled on the Mets. And Verlander is the kind of guy, he's kind of like, the opposite of what I was describing with DeGrom. He is a big game pitcher. He's the kind of guy I would trust in a big game. Although last year he hadn't won a World Series game yet till last year. But he's definitely the kind of guy that you can throw out there in the postseason. And now him and Scherzer back on the same team is awesome to see. They were together in Detroit. They're back at it again. I think that's a great signing for the Mets because I'm going to say it a million times probably over the baseball season as we're covering it. You can never have too much pitching. And when you add a guy that just won the Cy Young with a 175 ERA, that is a great signing. They also brought in Kodai Singa, I believe. Pardon the pronunciation once again with these Japanese guys. Um, from Japan on a five-year, $75 million deal. And everything that I've seen from Kodai is legit. He's going to be another good guy in that rotation. And who? what two better guys to learn from than Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer? The two best pitchers of our generation. I'm just going to say that bottom line. Those guys are the two best pitchers of our generation. And now Kodai Senga gets to learn from the best, as well as bringing in Jose Quintana. The Mets had quite the offseason, guys. They brought in Jose Quintana, so they pretty much revamped that entire rotation. They just brought in three guys to pair up with Scherzer, and I think this rotation is going to be really solid. Quintana has had success everywhere he's gone. White Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, Uday. You name it, Quintana has been a very productive pitcher. So another good signing there. And then they fortified that bullpen. David Robertson had a very good postseason last year for Philadelphia. I think that's a good signing. And then Adam Onovino, back in New York. He played for the Yankees a couple years ago. A nice little crafty lefty out of the bullpen. Definitely good for certain matchups. So great offseason, A-plus for the Mets. I think they probably had the best offseason in all of baseball. Um, staying in the NL East, the Marlins made a little bit of noise this offseason, uh, trading for oh, Luis Arise, which I think was a good trade for them. They needed a bat badly. They had a plethora of pitching. They could afford to get rid of Pablo Lopez and send him over to Minnesota, and they needed a bat badly. And they probably still need bats. They need power. Arise is not the kind of guy that's going to bring the thunder, but... A good good trade nonetheless. They just need guys that can go out there and, and be productive because that lineup has been pretty pretty woeful the past couple of years. Uh, they also signed Gene Segura, another guy with a good hit tool. He's a contact hitter. Um, he played in the World Series last year in Philadelphia, so he's got that experience. He's been in the league for a long time. And I think Arise and Segura up the middle, shortstop and second base, is going to be a very good combo. They're both good defenders, and they can both put the ball in play. So maybe you hit them 1-2 in the order as well. I don't know how the Marlins are going to handle that. Um, but I think Segura, another good signing. You can't really go wrong with guys that can put the ball in play. They also brought in Johnny Cueto on a one-year deal. Uh, Cueto, he's a good pitcher. Not much to say about him. Uh, one-year deal can't hurt. He's been pretty productive everywhere. He's Obviously, he's not the player that we saw in Cincinnati or even in Kansas City, but he'll eat innings. He's a solid guy to have out there. And he was good in Chicago last year, 3-3-5 ERA in 158 innings. So 
good signing on Johnny Cueto, and he's part of the reason that they could afford to give Pablo Lopez to the to the to Twins. Phillies, another very eventful offseason. The notable signing for the Phillies, Trey Turner. 11-year, $300 million deal, and I love me some Trey Turner. I think Trey Turner, spoiler alert for when we do some previews later on down the road, I think Trey Turner is the best shortstop in baseball. He does literally everything that you could ask for. He hits for average. He hits for power. He's a plus defender. He's got wheels for days. He might be the fastest player in the MLB. He's just a stud. 328 batting average in 2021. Another 300 year this year. Turner is an absolute beast, and I think that's a great signing for Philadelphia because they had to do something considering that Bryce Harper is going to miss the first half of the season, unfortunately, with his Tommy John surgery. They needed a bat that could fill in for Harper, and I think they got that. He'll slide in very nicely with a very talented Phillies infield, Reese Hoskins and Alec Bohm. Um, Great signing for Philadelphia, and I think Philadelphia is going to be a team that definitely can compete to go to the World Series again. And when you're in these loaded divisions, which the Phillies are, they got the Braves to deal with, they got the Mets, the Marlins are on the come up. Um, on on paper, it might look hard for them to get back to where they were, but I think the expanded playoffs is really going to help. I think that a team can send three to the playoffs. The East did last year. I think they're going to do it again. So good signing for Philadelphia, getting Trey Turner to fill in for Bryce Harper and kind of be the guy for at least the first half of the year. They also brought in Taiwan Walker from the Mets. They poached him from the Mets. Good for the Phillies. Uh, Walker had a very good year with the Mets last year. And he's going to be nice to fill in for Jacob DeGrom because they did lose DeGrom to the Dodgers. Um, Or not DeGrom, Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard. Uh, so that'll be nice to fill in. Walker, a little bit younger than Syndergaard. Um, a little bit less injury history to worry about. So... Taiwan Walker, good signing to slide into that rotation, along with Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler. And then finally, Craig Kimbrell, another guy who's like Kenley Jansen, one of the best relief pitchers in our generation. Um, I think that's going to be great for them to slam the door because the Phillies' bullpen was decent last year in the playoffs, but I don't know how much I trust Jose Alvarado and guys like that. Kimbrell has the playoff pedigree. He's pitched for plenty of playoff teams, so I like Craig Kimbrell in Philadelphia. I think the Phillies are poised to make another push at the World Series. Moving on to NL Central, uh, starting out with the St. Louis Cardinals, the defending champions of the NL Central. They brought in Wilson Contreras, and he's got some big shoes to fill. Obviously, Yadier Molina retired this offseason after a phenomenal 20-year career in St. Louis. And I think Contreras is the perfect substitute for Yadier Molina. Contreras is a phenomenal defender. Obviously, Yadi is probably the best defender of all time. But Contreras is a plus-plus defender, and he can swing the stick probably better than Yadi even could in his prime. So, great signing. There's really no better player to plug in for Yadier Molina than going out and get the best catcher on the free agent market. And that is the only move that Cardinals made. It looks like they're just going to kind of reload what they got. It was a disappointing end of the season for them, getting knocked out by Philly. But I think they've still got a great team. Goldschmidt, Arenado, now Contreras, a lot of plus bats in that lineup. So good signing for St. Louis to get Contreras. 
the Cubs had a nice, nice little offseason themselves. Dansby Swanson from Atlanta on a seven-year, $177 million player. And I, I love Dansby Swanson. He's one of my favorite players in the game. Maybe it's because he's he's got the swag. Everyone knows he's a, he's a super cool guy, but he just plays the game the right way. He's a good hitter. He's a good fielder. He's he's just productive all around. He's never he's not going to do anything like crazy, but he's not going to do anything terrible either. He's just a solid solid shortstop that you can plug in to play 162 games every year. That's big. He played 162 last year, 160 in 2021. And I think that's big for a player. If you're going to tie seven years, 177 to a guy, you're going to need him to play a lot of games, and Swanson's going to do that. And he's going to be a nice little double play duo with Nico Horner, who's on the come up. Uh, they also brought in Cody Bellinger on a one-year deal. I love this signing as well. Bellinger is a guy that's proven that he can be at the top of the top of baseball. He's got... All the tools in the world. And he's a great defender. Even when he's not hitting, he's going to play A-plus defense. Gold glove, platinum glove kind of guy out in the outfield. But I think that he can catch lightning in a bottle again. I really do. I believe in Bellinger. I believe in Belly. I want to see him have a big year. And I think the Cubs are a good place for him to do it. Not all eyes are going to be on him. They've got plenty of other guys and they're not a team that's really going to be at the forefront of the MLB at least at the beginning of the season because they're not expected to necessarily win this division so I think the Bellinger can kind of lurk in the shadows in Colorado a little bit and hopefully find his way back to his his former self they brought in Jamison Tyone from the Yankees a lot of signings here for the Cubs this offseason Jamison Tyone from the Yankees uh arms 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 I'm going to say it a million times lot of good pitchers on this market, and Tyone is another good one. Tyone had a very productive season for the Yankees last year. He was very solid for them. And I was I was kind of surprised to see the Yankees let him go, although they do have a plethora of pitchers. So Tyone is the kind of guy that's going to give you around a 4 ERA. That's about what he is for his career. But he eats innings. He had 177 last year, and... I think that's a good signing. Four years for Tyon might be a lot. He is 30 years old. I think they could, they might have overpaid just a little bit for him. But you can never have too many pitchers. Um, Kyle Hendricks has kind of been the ace of this staff for the past couple of years, so they need they need some more help around him, and Tyon will definitely be able to contribute that. Um, moving on in the Central, and I think the final team that we will discuss from this central is the Milwaukee Brewers and really the lack of signings for the Brewers. Their only signing this free agency was Wade Miley on a one-year deal. And I don't really know what kind of direction the Brewers are going in because they didn't have a great year last year. They didn't compete for the playoffs, but they also didn't really make any big trades to to indicate that they're selling or buying. I, I don't know what the Brewers are doing up there in Milwaukee. I don't know if they're trying to win. I don't know if they're they're I don't think they're trying to tank. They still have Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. They've got a great pitching staff, but they didn't really make the moves necessary to compete this year. So an interesting offseason out in Milwaukee to say the least. Um we'll see how that goes for them this year. I think they can still compete. When you got pitchers like Corbin Burns, Woodruff, Miley's a solid guy. They got plenty of arms. Freddie Peralta. I think that they can compete, but 
I don't think they're a team that can win the World Series. So kind of a puzzling, puzzling offseason of, of moves from the Brewers. And moving on to the final division that we will be discussing in this free agency special, the NL West. Uh, the Dodgers. It's going to be an interesting season for the Dodgers, to say the least. They lost a lot of guys, and they're looking to plug those holes pretty internally, it seems like. They're bringing up a lot of guys from the minor leagues. Uh, Clayton Kershaw re-signed. Obviously, he's a lifetime Dodger. You had to bring him back. He's still productive, so no one expected much else there. They brought in Noah Syndergaard from the Phillies which I think is another good signing. That's going to be a really good rotation. They have Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw, Syndergaard, Julio Urias, and whoever they decide to fill that fifth spot. So very good signing. Syndergaard is a proven guy. He had a good year in Philly last year. The only thing you worry about with him is staying on the field like a lot of these guys that we've talked about. Uh, And then they brought in J.D. Martinez. J.D. looks to kind of just replace Justin Turner. Him and Turner kind of did pretty much a swap, Boston to L.A., uh, JD, I think is better than Turner. Also a little bit younger. He's a pure hitter. Can't play the field for a lick. So look for him to be there full time. DH. I think he's going to be very productive out in LA. He's been productive pretty much everywhere he goes. Um, yeah, JD good signing for the Dodgers, but I think there's a lot of holes for the Dodgers this year, specifically in the infield. You got Gavin Lux Muncie, who had a terrible year last year. They're going to try and replace Trey Turner with Miguel Rojas, which is going to be a step down. So the Dodgers, I'm not sure that they did enough this offseason to hold their crown as the Kings of the West, which they have been for the last eight years running now, I believe. Uh, Across the Bay, the San Francisco Giants had a pretty disappointing offseason, I think. They were looking to land Carlos Correa. That didn't happen. Uh, Aaron Judge, people might forget because that was so long ago. They were in the running, and it was a very realistic possibility that he would go there, and they didn't end up with any of those guys. Instead, they've got Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto, who are both solid players, but I think it's just a, a step down for them when you're looking to land these big guys, and you end up with Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto. Although they, they did need outfielders. Obviously, they were in the running for Judge, so Hanniger is a solid guy. But him and Conforto are both coming off injuries. Conforto didn't play at all in 2022, so it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table next year, taking a full year off of baseball. Uh, But he's been a good player for the Mets for for a very long time. He was an all-star in 2017. Um, He hit 322 in the, the COVID year, 2020. He had a great year that year. So we will see what Michael Conforto can bring to the Giants because they need uh, they need bats. Their pitching staff is a lot better. Then they're they're hitting, especially after the retirement of Buster Posey and the departure of Brandon Belt. Um, and then the the big splash in the NL West was obviously the San Diego Padres going and getting Xander Bogarts. Wow, wow, wow! Nobody saw that coming, considering they have Fernando Tatis Jr. It looks like they're going to slide him to the outfield. And Bogarts is a guy that I also really like. He's not the defender that Tatis is. And while Tatis does make his his fair share of errors, he just has the potential to be a great defender. But Bogarts is about as pure of a hitter as you're going to get. He's going to hit 300 pretty much every year. He's going to give you 25 homers 
around 85 RBIs, 100 plus if it's a good year for him. He's just he just swings a, a big stick. 11 years, 280 million. He's the kind of guy you want captaining the middle of your infield. I always think for a baseball team, it's important to be strong up the middle. And Bogarts is definitely that. He's going to be a great addition to the San Diego lineup. But if San Diego doesn't go out and win the division and at least make it, I think, to the World Series, it's going to be a disappointing year for them because they've got a lot of money tied into Machado, tied into Soto, Tatis, Bogarts now. And Machado's going to be a free... He's going to be able to opt out of his contract at the end of the year. So this is really the Padres' year, I think, to, to get it done. And if they don't, it's going to be a very disappointing year out in San Diego. Um, I think we covered a lot of the main signings. There's obviously more to talk about, but I don't want to be on here for two hours because that's probably how long we could go. Um, like I said, we'll do a full MLB preview as we get closer to opening day. I'll give you my division predictions top to bottom, MVPs, all that good stuff. Um, so that will be coming, and we'll discuss probably some more of the, the smaller signings then. And then... Look out for an episode on Saturday. We will be doing a full preview of the Super Bowl, and that's going to be really fun because I think this is going to be a great Super Bowl. Um, So, yeah, like I said, that will be coming out on Saturday. You guys know the drill. Like, comment, subscribe, send it to your friends. Um, Follow the socials, Electric Factory Pod on Instagram, Electric Factory Podcast on TikTok, Electric Pod on Twitter, and... uh, Thank you guys for listening, and God bless.